Welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki master teacher, medium, and author of my newest book in the trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Global Awakening, which shares a metaphysical view of life, helping us understand and approach the many changes happening now in 2020 and beyond, realizing there is a major shift from a third-dimensional, physical, materialistic worldview to higher values of empathy, compassion, love, and serving others. As we come to see, it is not an economic, political, or societal problem we are facing, but a spiritual disconnect from our soul's inner wisdom. I am most delighted to welcome once again Paul Smith, on the, uh, a former guest on the show, to discuss his new book, Four Days with Kenny Tedford, who during these challenging and changing times in the world will offer hope and love as he shares the many challenges of Kenny, who was born with brain damage, leaving him with the intellectual ability of a fourth grader, deaf in both ears and legally blind in one eye, and difficulty speaking until the age of 10. But what he did have was the pure soul and heart of a spiritual being of love and goodwill and the beautiful love of his mother and father. Hello, Paul, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within once again. Yes, thanks for having me back on, and thank you for that uh, lovely introduction. I think you've you've very... Uh, accurately and carefully described Kenny Tedford. Thank you for that. Well, we'll talk more about Kenny and the beauty of of his spirit will come out. Uh, And for those who would like to hear Paul Smith and I discuss his book, Lead with a Story, an interesting group of stories that open up major possibilities to explore life with greater awareness of our unique abilities to create our best life through positivity Go to the radio page of my website, CherylGlick.com, to June 2016. Yes, it's been a little while. Wow, since it has we been a while that. since we've spoken. It doesn't seem that long. <laughs> it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. It's good to be back. Yes, Paul. As listeners of Healing from Within have come to expect over the years, my very talented and aware citizens of the universe share intimate experiences and insights as they explore life in both physical and metaphysical aspects, learning how to merge both for creating our best self and manifesting happy, prosperous, purposeful, and healthy lives. In today's show, Paul explores the life of a soul mocked as the retarded kid in school whose life could easily have become a tragic tale of victimhood due to his disabilities and challenges. But through the unique way Kenny views the world, he is able to teach us about courage, faith, family, persistence, pride, hard work, kindness, respect, and humility, focusing and sharing his gift of the love of life. And Paul... As a child, I had two challenged cousins, and I and I and I was saddened to see sometimes how people laughed or 
or showed disdain for them and and reading this book has helped me remember that there are so many wonderful talented people uh, overcoming their disabilities so Paul I, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and to remember a person place or event that may have signaled to them or others the lifestyle they might choose as an adult so mm. think back and and remember someone or something that happened in your childhood that set you up for the writing you do now and for the very wonderful way you look at life yeah that's an interesting question i i i don't remember if or how I answered that question last time, but I'll, I'll give you another answer and we can go back and compare to see if I'm consistent. But, uh, yeah, we'll give you two answers. The, you don't the, have the, to be consistent. Whatever well, comes good, to your mind good. is good. <laughs> good. Um, but, I mean, the, the original career path I, I sought out for myself was very clearly because of my father and his father and all of my father's friends because they were, of course, the male role models in my life, and all of them were were businessmen, right? They 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 were managers and leaders of of organizations, and so I just naturally assumed that that's what a responsible adult male was supposed to do: is to study business and go into you know business of some kind, and so that's what I did. But uh, now, looking back, I, I know that uh, clearly one of the influences that led me to leave that after twenty some odd years and become an author was my grandmother, who was a poet. And I remember reading her, her book of poetry as a, as a teenager. I probably didn't have much interest in it before my teenage years. Um, you know, I was, would have been interested in cartoons and fire trucks and whatever other little boys are interested in. But by my teenage years, I began to read her poetry, and, and uh, I was so inspired that I mean, there's somebody you can get paid to just write things. <laughs> I found that fascinating. Now, it obviously didn't lead me to immediately pursue that in life, but then later, looking back, I, I, I definitely hope that I got some of her skill well, you and did. passion for writing. Well, you did. Yeah. You did. Well, thank you. And and it was inborn in you, and maybe that's why you picked as a soul the family that you picked, so you could have exposure to both business and to the sensitivity of the arts and uh it's that's a wonderful story and it's not the one you told four years ago okay because <laughs> of that i'm sure <laughs> but let's go on uh paul tell us how you met kenny tedford and why you wanted to write a book about him yeah so uh he and i met at uh, a conference it's called the national storytelling network and it's a, it's a conference of, of storytellers like us. And um, and he, he and I were both speakers at that conference, but we didn't know it because we were on different stages at the same time in different rooms. And then later, you know, two or three hours later, somebody else's turn to speak, and we both ended up in the same room sitting on the front row. And you, you know this as you read the, the book. I think we described this in the first chapter of the book. But, uh, you know, we ended up sitting next to each other on the front row, and I, I, I just found it fascinating that I here I am at a – three-day storytelling festival, and I find myself sitting next to a man who, it became clear to me very quickly, was deaf, because he had his sign language interpreter there, and I just thought, well, how gutsy is this, you know, for someone who can't hear at all, to come listen to people, you know, for three days tell stories, and that fascinated me, and, and um, I, I was fortunate enough to get to have lunch with him later that day, 
and he got to explain to me a little bit more of you know his story, and it just got more and more fascinating that he he'd led this life that to me sounded like something like Helen Keller would have experienced, you know, with the yes. born deaf and partially blind and couldn't speak, you know, maybe not quite as extreme as the challenges she faced, but but he had all three of those issues like her. Um, but yet, uh, you know, Helen Keller was brilliant and an accomplished author and thinker, and um, whereas Kenny had an additional set of challenges, and cognitive challenges, right, developmental learning disabilities. like a, So in that way, he was a little bit like Forrest Gump, I guess, even though mm-hmm. Forrest Gump is fictional, but... So you know, as I'm an hour that I'm sitting having lunch with this guy, and I'm realizing this guy is like Helen Keller and Forrest Gump combined. You know, he's got both sets of physical and mental challenges. And I just thought, you know, if that was me, I would be bitter and angry at the world. Yes. But he clearly wasn't, and that fascinated me. And I just, I, I had to know how could that be, and that made me want to talk to him more. And I, as you know, reading the book, I. You know, I ended up writing a couple of books after that, after that meeting with him, and and um, one, I interviewed him for one of those books, and we got into more detail of his life. <laughs> I ended up asking him in the middle of the interview, and I think I say in the book exactly where, you know, 39 minutes into the interview or whatever it was, I just blurted out, "Have you ever written these stories down? Like you could, you could write a whole book just on your life." I was just interviewing him to get one story for one book, like one page I needed, and he said no. Because I basically I can't write. I just that's part of my cognitive challenge. I can I can talk and I can tell stories, but I can't write words on a page. It just doesn't work for me. And that's when I said something that I probably surprised me as much as it surprised him. I said, "Well, Kenny, I'll do it. I'll, I'll write your yeah. book." And that that started our journey. Yes, and you also recognized that he was a very delightful individual, and his temperament. Mm. And outlook on life and humanity was extremely positive. So he drew mm-hmm. you in with, with the goodness of his being, actually. And I don't believe anything's a co- coincidence or random. Uh, mm-hmm. You were supposed to meet him. You were supposed to share his stories as a great storyteller yourself. And uh, I think it's wonderful. So, Paul, oh, let's you. go on to tell us about your life mm-hmm. and how you discovered the passion of storytelling as a leadership tool and to become a full-time speaker and trainer. Yeah, so for, for me, the discovery was slow. I mean, I you know, over my first 10 or 15 years in the business world, you know, it kind of slowly dawned on me that the, the leaders that I admired the most had this gift, this ability to tell just compelling stories. And once I realized that, it frustrated me because... You know, I, I studied business in undergrad. I got a I got a master's degree in business. Uh, you know, I, I I worked at you know two of the biggest and you know fairly prestigious companies around. You know, um, Arthur Anderson and Company, Accenture at the time, and and then Procter and Gamble. And none of them taught me anything about storytelling. And I thought that's just that's that's unfortunate because you know they taught me everything else. You know, you you learn everything you're supposed to learn in business school and your first few years on the job. And storytelling was just nowhere part of any of that mix. So I. I just set out on my own little personal learning journey. I started interviewing CEOs and executives and leaders that I thought were particularly good at it. And, um, you know, gosh, at this point, I'm up to 300 or so one-on-one interviews like you and I are having right now. And that, of course, it just led me to the realization, if I want to know this that badly, maybe other people do as well. And so it stopped being my own little personal learning journey and became an idea for a book. 
and that's what led to that first book that we talked about last time, Lead with a Story, and then that led to Parenting with a Story, and then Sell with a Story, and then uh, my fourth book was uh, The Ten Stories Great Leaders Tell, and then this fifth one here, Four Days with Kenny Tedford, all kind of on the theme of, of storytelling and all in somewhat different ways, but that's definitely the theme behind all of them. And, Paul, you also wrote a letter to your father asking for advice mm. when you were getting ready <laughs> to get into writing. And your father was another very creative, talented person, like your grandmother. He he, yeah. he wanted to sing. And, yeah. And, and he had a good voice, obviously. And, he did. And, and, but, he, he, but he gave it up. Because life got in the way, and he never followed his dream and passion. But he wrote to you, I'd love to see you pursue your dream. But that doesn't mean in your lifetime, son. That means in mine. Love, Dad. So he gave you the permission and the inspiration to go forward. I think... (laughs) He, he was, oh, definitely. Yeah, I I, I I liked reading that. So yeah, he uh, he did that. That it wasn't just giving me the permission. Uh, he he was almost almost challenging me. You, you know. Oh, okay, to, okay. To, it was like laying the gauntlet at my feet. You know, that's those were the words at the end of the letter that he wrote me when I asked him, should I quit my full time corporate job and pursue this dream I have of being a writer and a speaker? And um, instead of just telling me what to do, he told me that. You know, the story about himself and challenged me to to not let my dream pass like he let his pass. And, and then it meant know, so much to you. Oh yeah, it, I, it, so it absolutely much. was the reason why I walked in two days later in my boss's office and quit my job <laughs> because and of that, that letter. And that takes guts. And and you know, mm-hmm. I I was also a very practical person in the business world, and uh, I was a teacher, and then I was in business, my own business, and. And then one day, 25 years ago, I had a dream, and the dream was a visit from my grandfather. He told me I had to write something for my father, and the very I didn't know what it meant. And the very mm-hmm. next day, my father passed, and mm-hmm. I wrote his eulogy. But I've written three books about uh, spiritual matters and understanding that we're very much more than our physical reality. And within our soul, we came prepared uh, to create a new energy within us, refine our energy, and learn greater compassion and love. And part of my journey was to discover that when I did, and uh, to go on to host all these shows the last 10 years, and write my trilogy of books and share the message with uh, as many people as will listen. So when the time is right, we get inspiration, either from someone in our life or someone beyond this life. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to know that because you can't really create your best life and utilize all your gifts and talents if you don't know who you are. And mm. all these experiences are teaching us more about who we are so what was one of the stories that Kenny told you and why was Kenny so adept at telling his stories but not writing them you already explained uh, that he wasn't able to write them but he could tell them and why was he so good at doing that you think yeah so yeah I'll I'll answer that second question why he was good at it and then uh, and then if you want I can I can try and recreate one of the examples, but he's much better, obviously, at telling his stories than I am. But I, I think why I think he's such a 
fascinating storyteller is that he doesn't experience stories the way you or I do. For most people, you hear a story or you read a story, right? Somebody's either telling you verbally or you're, you're reading the words. Well, Kenny doesn't do either of those things very well. And so when somebody is telling him a story or reading, if the kindergarten teacher was reading a story to the class that he was in, he's mostly watching the body language of the teacher and he's mm. having to read her lips, right? So he's having to watch her lips and try and translate that into words. Um, and the way he has to process it visually, he, he basically turns the words into a movie in his head that he's watching it happen. And so, and actually when he would read a book, and, and I, I think we mentioned this in the book somewhere, he would take a book from the library and then go sit down on the floor and open it up and read it. And he would act out the scenes you know, right there, <laughs> and, you know, whether anybody was watching or not, because he needed the physical mobility to pretend that he was Cinderella or pretend that he was the fairy godmother, or pretend that he was, you know, whatever, the, the mouse that becomes a horse. Mm. He had to pretend it so that he could understand it because the words he didn't understand very well. And so now when he tells a story, he doesn't just tell it. He acts it out like he's a I don't know, a, a one-man oh, show on yeah. Broadway or something, right? Yeah, that's and fabulous. I just, I've never, mm. Yeah, I've just never seen anybody do it that way other than you know, a professional you know, Broadway one-man show actor. Mm. Uh, but he just does it naturally. And so I, I think that's what makes him so fascinating as a storyteller. Yeah, well, that, that's probably another spiritual gift because mm -hmm. many intuitives, mediums, or healers do actually receive in, insights and messages uh, from spirit in a visual way mm. and then they translate it through the feelings of their body and they give the message that they were given in a very uh, creative way. It's like a different mm -hmm. language. So maybe he was being helped by those in spirit. I know he lost his parents. They were young yeah. when he lost them. Yeah. So maybe they yeah, yeah. they were always helping him. I'd like to think that. Now Kenny tells the story of his mother in Memphis on September 17, 1953, when his mama fell down a flight of stairs in front of the house, and her name was Bessie Faye Tedford. And some people say it was raining, and that's why she slipped, but others thought she was maybe drunk. Either way, she was seven months pregnant, and um, there were problems, and she, uh, the umbilical cord was around his neck. He couldn't get enough oxygen, and he was delivered two months early. So they called him a blue baby. But what I was really amazed about in that story was the doctor told him, the father, that he would be retorted. They used that word then. Now they mm -hmm. use words like specially challenged or, uh, you know, special needs. Yeah. Or, But in, in those days they, they used that. And they should just put him away and focus on the other children. Uh, but this father loved that little boy the minute he was born. And I think part of the reason Kenny has had such a wonderful life is because of that love. So I was very moved by that unconditional love and also a great abiding respect for life and a, an acceptance of the divine will that this was his child as it was supposed to be and that they would do everything to accomplish the best mm -hmm. life for that child. So I was very moved by that part of the story. So, Paul, uh, you asked Kenny um, 
what was the first time he knew he was different? Yeah, and I I think I recall getting a few different answers, but uh, you know, some of it was just you know his parents had to tell him, you know, you're you're not like the other mm. kids. You you you're you're different. You can't hear and you can't speak very well. And so some of it was just people had to tell him this, but. Um, you know, of course, he also noticed that he was being treated differently than other kids um, and, you know, picked on on the playground and the one that, you know, always chosen last for dodgeball and, um, you know, the, the the word retarded that you just mentioned is what yeah. that's what they called them back then. He, 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 he recalled the first time he ever heard anybody call him that word and he didn't like it much then and, you know, he likes it less now. And um, But, uh, you know, so... For very practical and very uh, unfortunate reasons, he very quickly learned that he was different than other other kids. And he was sick uh, a lot. He he had a lot of illnesses as a young yeah. child. There were seizures and double pneumonia and uh, some serious stuff going on. And he had uh, a cross eye, which even with all his other situations uh, made it more difficult for people to just treat him. But he learned something. Uh, he, he learned, he says this himself, Kenny. These are just little things he often forgets to tell people, but these are all the things that made me who I am, but they don't control me. Yeah. And there it is, his attitude. His yeah. attitude yeah, was bigger are... than any of the problems. Yeah, they, they may have made me who I am, but they don't control me. Now, he he doesn't want to be a victim of his circumstances, but he also doesn't want to deny them. He like one of the pieces of advice that he has for other people who have special challenges like this is don't and for the people that love like me that who who love someone like that, don't pretend that those challenges don't exist. I mean, that would be cruel in its own way to pre- pretend, "Oh, you're you're fine. You can hear fine. You can see fine." Well, no, he can't. I mean, no, you know, he, it would be cruel to deny it, but don't def, don't let that define him. Well, um, what he learned, and his father and mother helped, what he learned acceptance and gratitude for his life, and mm-hmm. and he and he's lived a very good life. He's had jobs, he's had friends, positions, right? Mm-hmm. Lived in different yeah. places. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's he's had an interesting life. Now. How did Kenny, who was so attached to his loving parents, deal with the death of his mother and father? Mm. You, you write a bit about that in the book. Yeah, now of course he, he was eight years old, I believe, at the time. So you know, partly he dealt with it like any eight-year-old child would, just like with be- bewilderment. And you know, we just don't know a whole lot at the age of eight, and he knew less. He, you know, cognitively he was probably two or three years behind that. Um. But uh, you know, he, as you read on, he he ended up with, in foster care with his uh, aunt and uncle, who were very different types of parents to him. Um, but uh, he he kept the parts of his mom and dad that were beautiful. Yeah. And I think the parts, you know, and there were parts of most of us that are not beautiful. He he remembers those but that's not how he remembers them i mean his mother as he'll tell you was an abusive alcoholic yes but what he remembers the most is the last conversation he had with her where you know before she died 
where she made it very clear to him that she was sorry that she wasn't the mother that he deserved, but that she loved him dearly and he was special to her and that he is is loved and that he um, deserves, most importantly, to be loved. Yes. Yeah. And that he should never forget that. And that that lasted, you know, to this day, here to 60 years later. And he remembers that like it was yesterday. Both his parents, before they died, were able to express that love to him, and mm-hmm. he never forgot that. Now, Paul, what have you taken away after writing this story about Kenny Tedford, and what do you want readers to take away with them? Uh, gosh, I, I, mean, I learned so much from him, and we, we actually tried, as you know, to capture in the last chapter of the book a, a, a few dozen different lessons, uh, life lessons from his life, for people who have challenges like him and for people who love someone who has these kind of challenges to help them, you know, uh, get the most out of life. Um, but for me personally, gosh, learning, I, I think seeing how his parents parented him has made me think differently about my own parenting skills and, and hopefully made them better. You know, I, I like, I really wish I could have met Kenny's father because I think many of the ways that he parented Kenny, I wish I had had the wisdom and forethought to challenge my kids where Kenny's father challenged him and be tender to him where he was tender to them, because I'm quite certain I, I haven't gotten all of those things right in my own parenting, but I, gosh, I feel like Kenny's But you're really better did. at it now. Yeah. And so yeah. it's not too late well, but to I, incorporate yeah, I don't, that. Yeah, <laughs> my kids are 15 and 20 now. So, but yeah, still, I'm, I'm, but still. I still, yes, I, I still get to uh, to work my parenting ways with them. Yes. And I definitely think I'm better uh, as a result of having that Kenny <clears throat> Tedford. Absolutely. And I want to thank you, Paul Smith, author of Four Days with Kenny Tedford, who has captured a great truth of life, that there is no one who can prevent us from having a productive life other than our own fear of not succeeding. We hold our personal power within our heart, and when we love and are loved, we can accomplish many miracles. Go to leadwithastory.com to find out how storytelling is a valuable tool to living an accomplished life and to purchase Paul's books. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, We have observed through the stories Kenny Tedford, a man partially blind and deaf and living with these pretty difficult learning disabilities uh, through the love of his marvelous father and mother. People who were affected with their own challenges embraced him and helped him to know that all things are possible with faith and love and a belief that you can and will do what you choose. When we listen to people, rather than judge them by the standards of the world, we find the gift of a sweet, loving soul in a man who, you said at the beginning, could have become bitter, angry, or sad, but instead lives his life fully and is an inspiration to those who meet him. And Paul, you wrote how he awakened his family how you awakened your family to new possibilities. Paul wrote, After four days of stories and dinners together and watching us play squishy ball in the backyard, it occurred to me that something magical was happening. 
Somehow, without even trying, Kenny had worked his way into the heart of my family. My two introvert children were charmed by his very presence. My nine-year-old chatterbox was enthralled into a raptured silence by his stories, and Matthew had finally overcome his discomfort with a house guest, which has since led him to even more courage and comfort meeting new people and making friends. But even more insightful was my wife's reaction to the whole visit. Her original apprehension started to disappear when she realized she and Kenny shared something very important to her, to both of them, and that was their Christian faith. Plus, not much will endear someone to a loving mother more than winning the affection of her children. Paul and Kenny and I would have you know that allowing ourselves to move past the fear or discomfort of people with challenges who are living life in circumstances we may not be familiar with and just appreciating each and every person and living soul as a divine gift in this time and place, here to gain greater compassion and love of self, life, and the eternal world of hope, is a miracle. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and author of my third book in the trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Global Awakening. And I invite you to visit my website to learn about energy, healing, mediumship, and authors who seek a greater knowledge of who we are, where we come from, and how to live life discovering. We are spiritual beings having a physical life in search of rediscovering the beauty of our spirit and to renew greater compassion and love for all. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.